Hello and welcome to the Court Games LCG Podcast, hosted by me, Trevor Cuba, aka Kikita Onimaru. Uh, joined here, like it's, it's a two-on-one today. Hopefully, my special guest will help me uh, combat the evil that is my Maho-written co-host. Who is my co-host? I am Max Williams, also known as Makino Oni, the Oni Lord, or Whacked Mackie Online. Uh, I am here to say that everyone should embrace Maho in their lives. It's good for you. And like a Marvel vs. Capcom assist character, I'm going to tag in help from my Creighton clan, buddy. Who do we got here with me? Hey, it's uh, Nick Mason, a.k.a. Daidoji Sumiteru, or a variety of other names, because I can't decide on just one. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm here. How's it going? Our, our, now, Nick, you are from the Meek Informant Podcast. Is the Meek Informant podcasting right now? Um. No, it it's really turned into more of the Meek Informant YouTube channel whenever I uh, decide to upload some Discord League games. Um, and we do a, we try to do a Tuesday night stream, although I am still learning the ropes of that. Uh, it turns out that um, for the last, I don't know, year, I've been streaming to a completely different Meek Informant page that we set up at the same time, but... Uh, yeah, so I, I could never find my streams, and I thought it was really frustrating how buggy YouTube was, and I just wanted to go back to Twitch, and it turns out I was just streaming to a completely different YouTube page, also called The Meek Informant. So if that gives you any idea of how well our streams go in general, uh, then the last time I didn't turn on the desktop audio, so you couldn't hear the other people talking, it was just me talking <laughs> to no one, and I left it on the splash screen for the first game and a half, so you also <laughs> couldn't see anything. Yeah, so uh, anyway, t- tune in Tuesday nights, it's a great show if you enjoy listening to me talk to no one while staring at the same screen for a half hour. <laughs> Best time really anyone could it. have. Really selling it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did mean as a tech. I, I I was uh, lurking in the Jade Throne uh, chat room when they do their chats. Uh, it's easier for me to make their streams now that we're not meeting in person. Usually they record while me and Max are playing in person. It hasn't been going on lately. And yep. uh, he gave us a shout out. Shay over there did, and he pointed out like, "Oh, it's the other L5R podcast." I was like, "What? No, there's like 30 other L5R progress." And I I, I checked my. You know, I've, I'm a bad player of the L5R podcast network because I'll listen to uh-huh. everyone here and there, but I haven't really been catching up today. And I thought that was a failing on my part. I scroll through my iTunes listing, like no one's <laughs> uploaded since like May or August. So apparently yeah. it's not my fault. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I'll be perfectly honest. Uh, a significant amount of our uh, organizational and enthusiastic uh uh, sort of oomph came from uh, Eric Hayden um, and he is uh, taking a little break from L5R uh, while we can't play in person and all that so um, a lot of that oomph is kind of gone so we're just kind of defaulting to the stuff me and Adam would do anyway like I you know I, I play in Discord League anyway it's easy enough to record it and throw it up on the YouTube so I mean you're certainly not alone I mean me and Max here uh, Max like hasn't played on Jagoku at all. I should be playing. I am not. I play like once a month. <laughs> I yeah. just signed up for the Discord League and played zero matches, so I feel really bad about that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I made a uh, Gold Cup last month after playing, I think, two games. 
because everybody else dropped. So I, I went five and two. It was it was pretty great. And I think I even went like one on one in the games I did play. So it, yeah, I, I forget what it was. Something like that. Not to reveal too many of our secrets, but there might be a secret crane server out there that was like, hey, all the Discord winners can come hang out here. And some of us might be in there just because, like, well, I won like, two games and then all my p- opponents in my pod dropped. So, yes. <laughs> it's not exactly extreme... a cabal of the most elite level players, but it's still fun. We have yeah. A good time. It, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's fine. Yeah, me and uh, Max, we'll, we will, like. There's a, a lack of content to really talk about, and me and Max, literally like five minutes before the show here, we'll sit here like, "Well, what are we going to talk about?" Oh boy, someone just leaked some cards. I guess we we've got content for a week. Oh boy, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that was one of the problems with the Meek Informant is we really didn't want to do just reading cards and talking about the new cards kind of stuff we wanted to do more themes and and again we were focused more on new players uh you know new players can read the cards it's more about talking about like the environment around them and stuff like that you know how to build a deck how to pick your clan things like that um and there's just a limited number of those topics you can do you know oh yeah so um i mean i was on the uh ninth kami podcast which our goal for that was we were talking about the community surrounding the game and how you can get players into playing and run events and have prizes and that just kind of died with the fact that the entire tournament scene died oh yeah i know i the it was so new england had uh, i'm from new england and we had one of the more uh, crazy active uh, tournament scenes I think mm-hmm. uh, basically we had a rotation of stores where you know okay first weekend of the month is in Derry New Hampshire and the second weekend of the month is in Saugus Mass and the third weekend of the month is in you know uh, West Springfield Mass you know like all these places that were within an hour hour and a half of each other uh, in most cases and you you could just go to an L5R tournament pretty easily every weekend and I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope all that comes back afterwards, but I, I don't know. Yeah. We had kind of the opposite effect back when we were still doing in-person uh, tournaments because uh, where we are right now, which is uh, Pandemonium Games and Hobbies uh, in Garden City, if you all want to brave the <laughs> apocalypse to come buy some board games, uh, that's where our me- we- uh, weekly meetup spot is. And that's like a legacy L5R stronghold. Like, that is a big place that used to do co-ties back in the old game. And oh, yeah. we, like, I kind of joined the legacy players there and kind of took over when most of those guys, you know, retired or walked away from this new version of the game. Uh, but it was such a... It's a large store, it's well-funded, and we have such a gathering there that we found that we had a dampening effect of all the other local stores. So you'd have, like, some small areas, uh, like, 10, 20 miles away who would try something, and then they realized, like, oh, well, we can't really compete uh, with the Garden City, so um, they just stopped trying. But that doesn't mean we necessarily, like, absorb the other players because not everybody wanted to drive all the way out to Garden City to play on big weekends and stuff. So we just became yeah. the only game in town, ipso facto. Yeah. Yep. But we like, feel bad about it. We, like, yeah. Max is try. Oh, you go for it, Max. But I was going to say, I drive half an hour out there every week, or I did when we met, because I don't necessarily live there. It's just that was where you go to play around right. here. Uh, we tried getting a local scene started around here for a little bit because, I mean, like four or five of us who go out there live by me, but it just 
nothing worked out. It was just us people, basically. So we just said, hey, we'll just go out there and meet with more people every week. Yeah. No, and, you know, I've seen the same sort of thing. There was a store maybe, like, a half hour, 40 minutes for me that was trying to do a uh, uh, weekly tournament, and they were trying to get together, like, a Thursday night group. But, you know, it, it, it I've already got a weekly group. It's, like, 20 minutes from my house instead of 30. It's, mm. you know. Yep. So. And all, like we said, all this has been exasperated by the apocalypse, obviously, this COVID-19 issue. Uh, and it goes to what we were well, just yeah, talking about, what we're still in right now, of like, how do we keep update on the game of, like, where does the motivation come from? Uh, right. Because I have found, despite my, I think I pop into Crane Chat at least once a month or twice a month saying like okay i i'm back guys i'm gonna be i'm gonna start playing some games i'm gonna get really into it and i just yeah. not end up not doing it because if there's not a kotai on the horizon i just can't work up the energy to really like dig deep into the meta and stay up to date on things yeah it yeah. does take a ton of work just to like know what cards are out there and what people are playing and her meta you know people talk about it stagnating and stuff but i honestly think it moves pretty fast like the the amount of time that it took for like you know city of the open hand decks to fall off in favor of cute and bayushi decks and that whole like nine cancel scorpion uh thing like or the uh the seeker avoid phoenix that came and went in like i don't know a week it feels like mm. sometimes i don't know but some some decks certainly stagnate crab the current crane deck but yeah. a, a lot of them th it feels like there's a lot of motion i think like you're just saying i think your opinion of how the deck or the game stagnates or is going in two different areas kind of depends on what clan you're playing and it's kind of the heart of what you're here to talk about today nick so oh, yes. i know like me is like doing my once a month like oh what's going around in f5 discord and stuff i pop into the trusty old discord um uh, uh, LCG feedback. There we go. Those are words. <laughs> and I see that you had, uh, with the help of some other notable players in the community, had posted an open letter. Actually, do you want to talk about that right now? You wanted to talk about something else before we get into the the juice of no, this thing, didn't you? No, we can we can dive in. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, well, actually, well, we're right there. So let us know what is this open letter, Nick, in your words, other than the open letter that you put in your words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go read my work. Well, there, it, yeah. It's it was kind of a group effort. You know, there was a lot of editing and changes made by some of the people who signed on, and I, you know, I incorporated changes from people who ended up not signing on for a variety of reasons. So, you know, mm. uh, basically, the idea behind the open letter is the imperial law updates and restricted list updates generally um, seem to be used to respond to the meta of the moment right so we saw you know uh, i'm just trying to think of I, I don't remember what what happened exactly in the last one but like a good example is the the Krabbit's deck got really hammered on one particular rl uh, or the lion uh, deck where tactical ingenuity went on the restricted list uh, you know, it's clearly targeting specific decks that exist in the meta, but it doesn't create a new environment. You're still in that environment where all of the things that made the Lion Tower deck oppressive are still going to be oppressive and bad when they show up in the next clan who can do whatever crazy thing the Lion Tower deck was doing, right? Mm. Um, 
you know, there's there's some exceptions to that. Some things that are a little more unique, like the Enlightenment deck kind of hasn't reared its ugly head, despite a rebuild-like effect coming out that you can play with the display power. But the, basically, the, the idea is that the restricted list keeps applying a Band-Aid, and what we would like is to perform a little surgery, a little more radical change on the game environment to try to get it to a place where these types of types of things don't crop up as often. Okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I read the list, and I've got. I think everyone's had like no one is taking this thing as a hundred percent. Like sure. this is the change. Everyone's got some pros and takes on their one. Um, I do wonder, and you're, you're right. There is some issues where the game, depending on where you are, especially with a clan loyalty, and we're talking about that a bit on Jade Throne. I say we as I was in the audience chatting at Shay and Dan while they were talking. Yeah, I, I, I uh, listened to that but, on my ride home, so I feel prepared. <laughs> but uh, if you are clan loyal, which most people are, the game yep. has very different feels, and a lot of these problems feel more or less of an issue, and that speaks to the issue of well, there's just some like universal tools that are either a they're too strong in a limited amount of clans, or they just shouldn't exist to begin with. Either we should all have something on par, and that's just where the game is, or none of one should have these things. But this right. in between, where some people have crazy amounts of card draw, some people have crazy amounts of cancels. Almost yeah. all of these are Scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like even, you know, the, the current Crane deck and, you know, I I play a lot of Crane, um, but I really haven't played very much of this deck, but I, I played against it, but I don't play it myself generally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm too busy running running my sevenfold palace honor runners and stuff, but um, oh, I thought you were an expert. Okay, interview over. We're done here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like uh, the the current crane deck, a lot of its power is the fact that you can just put proving grounds as, out in your provinces as many as you want, and so long as your opponent doesn't see a season of war, great, you got spyglass now. Have fun. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, the there there was a moment because almost the entire well, we're currently in a new the temptation of the scorpion cycle or just temptation arc right now. Yep, uh, it was the last cycle that was a really I- issue for Crane because we were just kind of okay, and then we lost policy debate which was like the backbone of our decks right so crane just collapsed it had nothing to do until doji diplomat comes together and like brings a huge synergy wave to bring everything together all at once and then suddenly a lot of different factors that were just like kind of okay and not that bad are all like as a package incredibly destructive right right it's it it just becomes this point where yeah there's there's always these kind of risks sitting out there in the meta there are these cards that you look at and you say well it looks okay all right but you know if it ever gets support it's going to be insane and like wealth of the crane was a really good uh example of that where you know okay you know late in the game maybe you can find that key holding okay fine it's not super amazing Mm-hmm. And then and, Doji Diplomat comes out, and now you can do that on turn two, and you're not putting those holdings on broken provinces. You're putting them on ones that you can defend with the new Kikita Dojos and tea houses you're tutoring up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, right. That's the problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, even me, like, playing the game once a month or so, I think. It was a couple months ago where I was like, oh, let me see what's going on with this new Doji Diplomat. And then I was all over the L5R, especially crane groups and stuff. Like, um, guys, have you seen this? Because I'm, like, a really bad player, and this is ridiculous what I'm doing over here. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. I've got a, uh, just to plug the YouTube channel one more time, I have a game up where uh, I played against Fro. Uh, so, not a slouch. Um, he was on a Dishonor Scorpion deck, and I was playing this nonsense uh, honor running deck with like distinguished dojos and bonsai gardens and stuff. And I honored out on like turn two, and I had multiple outs to honor out before that, but I was just too stupid to see them. Like the deck was trying to give me a win, and I was trying my hardest not to take it. Apparently, <laughs> but it yeah. just it yeah it just kind of does stuff like that the the deck is really powerful it's got a really high floor you know it it carries you a long way and you can do a lot of silly stuff with it as a result so but anyway we're, we're talking i think a bit too much about crane because the the idea right isn't well but like this is my podcast i'll talk too much about crane if i wish well that's fair. that's fair. Yeah, no, crane crane is like the only clan worth discussing but the um the the point of the letter isn't that like you know, okay, this crane deck is broken and here are the things that make the crane deck broken. But more like there's just things out there in the environment that maybe shouldn't be as prevalent as they are. So like we put together a bunch of categories and threw in a ton of examples. I don't think all of these are bad. And there's a lot more examples you could include too. So like the one that um, I kind of had the heaviest uh, editorial hand on is that uh, the first one up, which is ready effects, you know, uh, they're everywhere now. Everybody's got them. Mm. There's in service yeah. to my lord. There's common cause, return the offense. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, yeah. This is a fact that mostly only Phoenix had any real access to for most of the game. And it was very apparent that their early success was, it's such a powerful effect that it was like uh, this effect buoyed that entire clan for a long time right well, some of their other crazy effects and stuff but but the interesting thing about phoenix is yeah they had all these readies and everything but what do people use readies for now they use readies to make a single giant guy and put it in all the conflicts with all the skill so you can't do anything but <laughs> phoenix never really did that right like there was no mm. phoenix tower deck that that would be awful if people did that with their characters <laughs> 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 yeah, little things. But, like, it's it's interesting because Phoenix had more density of stands than any deck even now, I think, can really put together and still be competitive. Like, you had 12 stands in the deck, plus you were constantly going watering for Asakosuke and Feral Nino and Prodigy of the Waves. Uh, and then Prodigy of the Waves has a printed stand on it. Like, you had so much Don't Bow stuff. And yet... Yeah they never came around to a tower deck maybe that was a lack of creativity maybe that was just you need to spend your money on consumed by five fires but it's interesting that in other clans an increase in the availability of ready effects always turns into all right well now i've got this guy with 18 attachments on him i'm gonna stand him and put him in this conflict too and your opponent's just crying because they can't get over your 24 force kaizen or whatever um and that was also but the it bedrock didn't happen of a lot of like crab shenanigans, wasn't it, Max? Yeah. Although oh, yeah. back in you know back in cycle one, two for the most part, crab just had uh the mountain does not fall. But even that alone was enough. 
because right. it it was basically right, well, a double ready effect on certain turns. Right, but you had the mountain does not fall. You had uh, Cooney Witch Hunter. Yeah. Um, you know, Crab was like kind of the first build a big guy and just plant him in front of your opponent thing. But there was play around to most of it. So like yeah. you could bow the character provided it wasn't a Borderlands defender. You know, to yeah. to make that happen, you could assassinate their little guys so they couldn't Cooney Witch Hunter very easily or Steadfast Witch Hunter. Yeah, uh, things like that. There there were things you could do to play around it, and then of course Crab had like this natural predator in Scorpion uh, that yeah prevented them. But like yeah. nowadays, you know, I mean, Common Cause. Yeah, you compare that to the Mountain Does Not Fall, and it's just better in almost every way, right? Yes yeah so uh, i don't know well <laughs> i well the only reason i'm uh, i'm harping on crab right now is because as i'm thinking about it, i'm looking at your open letter i think the like air quotes traditional crab deck that used to exist before they got all their shiny toys taken away is kind of the bedrock of every issue you have on here because it had a lot of like ridiculously cheap effects that they did when you look at things like reprieve and watch commander uh yep. same thing uh, with the we're talking about attachments with repeatable actions and stuff or you know right. the mountain does not fall while it was only a single not even a stand it was a not bow this is why you always attack crab first back in the day because they could just sit there stand do nothing for two rounds let you attack them and then on round four hits you back with something really bad that you can't stop right. and after about like halfway through turn three they're just unstoppable you can't do anything about to them and stuff and i think like that deck type everything that it did it was a problem kind of highlights the issues that you're discussing here uh right. things that are ridiculous you know <laughs> and and then you see that deck type repeated over and over again across different clans and it just feels bad every time you know i mean when the the mitsu two decks were around and it was just you find mitsu you put every attachment in your deck on him you play a billion cards with tagashi acolytes to give him plus 20 plus 20 and then you bow your stronghold so he never dies that's just a crab deck right it does it in a little bit different way but it's basically the old crab deck you know? yeah. When there was one faction doing it, it was kind of a unique thing. Right. When every faction's doing it, it gets really old. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. The, the game does seem to be leading towards a natural inclination towards a tower deck type. Um, as more and more people, like, there's other decks out there to be sure and stuff, but towers are proving to become like the flavor like the natural inclination of how the game wants to be played unless we fundamentally shake up the bedrock of this game right. and uh this is kind of an issue that the old game this is unique to this version of the game nick did you play the old version of l5r yeah i played a, a little bit of it always very 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 non-competitively but uh mm -hmm. yeah it it got around that in other ways though, right? It had rules on you can't have two swords unless you have a special trait that specifically lets you have two swords, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, um, the the two games are with this nitty gritty, they're basically wild the different games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Aside from only having two swords, most attachments that were not swords only had limited effects on there. But most of it, you're, if you're building a huge stack on a character, most of that was going to be either spells or uh, followers. Right. And 
And those things, while they increased your unit strength, they did not increase that individual character. So most of the effects that would... There's a lot more kill in that game. Oh, yeah. And many of them were based off of how strong your individual character was, not the unit itself. Uh, a big one was like Unicorn. They would be like here, well, a thousand units on this one little horse. You have no idea how that works and stuff. Yep. And they would hate playing crane decks because cranes had duels that were always lethal. And they would take like two provinces and finally a crane would stop them, do one duel, and they would lose the entire stack. And that was kind of like the natural um, balancing natural enemy yeah. of, of that but, thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing like, because losing... I'm not proposing putting more kill into the game because that would be absolutely devastating to the way this game's economy and board state mechanics work. You just can't right. do it the same way. Yeah, I agree. It's it's um it's a hard problem to solve. And I guess the point that the letter's trying to make is that it it is a difficult problem to solve. Like these these types of things are going to keep being good because they are just the things the game wants you to do. The game wants you to draw cards. The game wants you to, you know, get a holding out for no money and use its ability every turn to generate value because you only need you know, so many characters on the board, the, the odds you're going to buy out your whole row are pretty low. Um, but these are all kinds of things that the, the game is rewarding you for doing them, even if the cards that do them are kind of mediocre. And then the ones that come out that do these sorts of things are also incredibly strong. So just whoever gets the most of those is going to be, you know, a really good deck, if not the best deck. And it's, I don't, I don't know, that that part I think is is difficult to solve. But I think the idea behind the letter, at least as I wrote it, is that it's a problem we should be interacting with in the Imperial Law. I think the way that it's been approached generally has been um, that future card printings will solve this. Uh, you know, which obviously has a slow turnaround time and, you know, it's difficult to predict what the meta is going to look like. You know, when when Curse of Misfortune was printed, for instance, when when that got tested, you know, who knows how long ago. Um, yeah, there were towers around, but were they as dependent on holdings as our current towers are? Uh, you know, like the the Crane Tower decks all rely on having a bunch of Kakita dojos and uh, proving grounds and things like that to help them. So, you know, maybe it wasn't seen as a, a viable thing at the time. And then the restricted list was different at the time, too. So it, it's it's just hard to wait a year for a card that was designed to address today's meta when you know it's going to be completely different by the time that card comes out. I think the underlying question we have here, at least that I have here, is what is our ideal game state? Right. So we, things, we see things that are problems. And these things are problems, as we were saying before, based on which clan you play and what your position on the game is. Because there is a conversation that we could actually double down on a lot of these facts in all clans, and that's just what the game is. Maybe this game is right. a game where everybody has a tower and, with a, uh, and the metagame is actually who can best manage the ready effects and things like that like what do we think is the what the ultimate version of this game to be so um 
it's funny you said ideal there because Tyler, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and this was actually one of the things that sparked the letter, talked about this difference between uh, an idealist look at the game, you know, what cards should exist in the game and a realist look, which is, okay, you're printing cards you want to see play. And based on what's out there in the world right now, you have to design to that kind of level of power. And I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it from a card design standpoint but i think you can use if you're going to card design as a realist you should probably do imperial law as an idealist if that makes sense try to move the game in a general direction that you are more okay with and then your realist threshold will kind of come down um you know and and the the thing that i think most people really like about l5r at least you know, the people who've been playing it for a while, is that it is a game that really, really rewards player skill. It takes a while for you to lose a game. Um, so there's there's very rarely a point where, you know, on turn one or turn two, you say, okay, well, that happened. Good, the game's over. All right, we can just, you know, shuffle up and, and you know, go to our lunch break or whatever. Yeah, not to interrupt you, but I do want to stop. Well, I guess I am going to interrupt you to stop yeah. you on that point right there, um, because I would want to. I want to fight back on the idea like we like this game being long. That being said, I, me personally, Trevor Cuba, do like a long game. It's one of the things that attracts me to L five R and stuff, and the, the older version too. Right. Um, this game, since inception, has had a criticism of it is too long. Right. It is too long and too slow. And that is actually a huge uh, obstacle that shunts a lot of people off. And also, uh, in an average... I can't I, you and I brought it up before the uh, the Terry spike and whoever the oh, magic yeah. players like of what kind of effects people like like and enjoy in the game right this game is death by a thousand paper cuts of it's a lot of like minute um, uh, um, tiny plays that add up over the long time. So if you're someone who is like, I want to just drop a fireball effect and watch a bunch of little guys burn and stuff, uh, you're not getting a, that kind of enjoyment from this game. So the question becomes like, what is fun vis-a-vis what kind of fun should L5R offer and stuff? Now, I don't know so we need to like double down on all these things and stuff, but the general direction I think Tyler is going for, I cannot fault him for of, hey, look at all these rally effects and City of the Rich Frog and stuff. We need to speed up Dynasty like to a crazy degree, which he's more or less done, and I support that, you know. We need, like, part of the reason why Scorpion feels so powerful is because other people can't do the crazy crap they can do and stuff. Like, honestly, if other people had, you know, versions of what they can do uh, I think there'd be a lot less upsetness against Scorpion and stuff. And we talked before, like, not a one-for-one. One. You can't take something like Stoke Insurrection and put it into another clan because right. another clan doesn't have the same synergies that allows Stoke Insurrection to be so ridiculously powerful in Scorpion. It would, like, fall apart. Like, Unicorn couldn't play that. Actually, they've got, like, two effects like that they could barely get away with. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, so I think that the the issue with the way the design of the game to me seems to be going and and kind of the general environment is that the games aren't that much quicker there are like some that are you know only over on turn two or whatever but you're getting more and more into this place where 
it becomes impossible to win or extremely, extremely unlikely earlier because of these types of effects. So kill is a really good example of it or like, uh, you know, when it was around like a lost paper showing up and bowing out the guy that you invested in last turn. Well, you know, all right, all those cards are pretty dead now unless you can stand them up. Um, so it, it's it's getting to a scenario where you might be dead on turn two, but it takes two more turns to play out the death and you have less chance to come back from that. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I do agree preserving that, like, the ability to come back after, like, a devastating early uh, loss uh, is a hallmark of L5R that I want to keep. I agree right. There. And, and it's hard to criticize all of these things at the same time, too, because some of those effects, like, the everything in the uh, random blowouts category is also something that can be really helpful to help you come back. You know, Way of the Crab or Spectral Visitation or something, you know, can get you... Uh, significant amount of stats or, or a stat advantage that you might not be able to get just because you're a dynasty flop bricked or something like it's I'm, I'm not saying I have all the answers I'm not saying that like everything on this list should be banned or something but mm. I, I think that if we pushed more towards okay we're going to reduce the number of random blowouts but let's look at these cards that are useful to come back from behind so um, <clears throat> you know like the prototypical example is cavalry reserves, uh, you know, where unicorn their whole board leaves play and then they can just bring it back if they can get around cancels and all the other nonsense. But, uh, you know, if you put if you put cavalry reserves like you were saying with Stoke, if you put cavalry reserves in Scorpion and let him use your opponent's characters. So now I can mm. steal your high red numbers into my blue yeah. number clan like that's not great, right? Yeah, there's some fact, uh, effects in this game that I will agree that, like, on paper, they look and sound fine, even, like, subpar, maybe. Right. Uh, but then you there's an underlying network of how the game structurally works yeah. that make things way more devastating than they seem at first glance. And, and this is the point of the letter on Scorpion. Um, a lot of the stuff that gets targeted in Scorpion that, that people really hate to see across from them are like the big flashy effects that Scorpion has. So cancels, mm. I would say, are pretty big. Cards like A Fate Worse Than Death or uh, Shoju uh, 1, or sorry, Shoju 2, uh, you know, just pinging you for honor all the time. Kachiko, uh, Stoke mm. Insurrection's a really good example of it because it's this big flashy card that does a ton of different things. But mm -hmm. in my opinion, the foundation of Scorpion, the fact that they can use all that stuff is based on the fact that they have this really efficient and incredibly benefited by the game mechanics, like core of cards, like Way of the Scorpion. I, I yeah. personally think Way of the Scorpion is one of the most powerful cards in the game, period. Okay. Because it says, I'm probably going to win this conflict and later you're losing an honor. So I'm advancing a conflict win con and my honor out or honor pressure win con uh, at the yeah. same time in one card that costs zero. And turning out a bunch of my other cards. Exactly. Yeah. Then your, you know, uh, all your stuff that punishes dishonor is now on. Your opponent now has, you know, if the character's got three or four fate on it, then great. Now I have somebody I can for shame every single turn 
because most clans have a little bit of a difficult time getting rid of that. And even if you do get rid of it, it's still going to cost you a card effect or something that you otherwise could have used to not undo, you know, just erase the effect of my zero cost card that I don't care about. And if I'm playing it against Scorpion, fine, I'll throw it away to favor me, or Master Whisperer or something. You know, that the... the the reliability of that kind of baseline, I think, is more of Scorpion's power level than is given credit for. And obviously, like, Alibi Artist. Just just have to sure. say it, because it's a red card, and it's it's the red card. <laughs> yeah, and all the other cards you mentioned are show the example of, like, a clan's internal synergy. Take yeah. thing, like, almost all the cards that you're talking about for Scorpion are things that theoretically on paper look to have major downsides but because of the way that the crane or the scorpion deck works and their internal synergies a lot of their disadvantages turn into object advantages and stuff have a card in there like oh i you can play this card but you have to lower your own honor doesn't matter that makes city open hand actively stronger to do that (laughs) right or or Bayushi too i mean like everything just gets you know better when you lose honor for scorpion yeah yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's it's difficult too because the there's a lot of weird things that I don't that I have weird like ideas on that I don't know exactly how to express entirely. Like I think that a dishonored status token is more powerful than an honored status token in almost every way. Um, but it's difficult to justify that because they look like mirror images of each other. But sure, you want your honored status tokens to stick around. And the person putting a dishonored status token on the board doesn't really care if it sticks around or not. If it sticks, then great. They have a thing that they can exploit with for shame and, you know, I can swim and all the other things that'll punish you for being dishonored, not to mention a permanent stat penalty. And then when the character leaves play, you're one step closer to dying. Whereas if I put an honor token on one of my guys and then it leaves play, I feel very, very bad because I've gained an honor, but I've lost card investment of some sort a bunch of stats like they're just not equal but they Mm -hmm. look like they should be yeah miles once again miles varies depending on the clan you play and stuff that's you know talk about scorpion and we mean you nick are crane players uh perfect mirror images of an honor token obviously takes us way further than it does someone else uh max i don't think ever has even noticed uh, if he has a dishonor or an honor token on any of his characters, unless he's up against Crane to stop us from playing Voice of Honor. Right, but like, Max, you play uh, mostly Crab, right? So you notice all the dishonor tokens that they're putting on your little guys. Oh yeah, it's because I look at my little honor pool, I'm like, I have no way to make that number go up, but number keep going down. Exactly, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it just, and you can even see it in, like, Crab. Like, Crab just, you know, uh, Throwing in, like, fire and oil is just good, you know? Uh, Being able to throw out Dishonor status tokens is really strong. And you don't see, like, similar amounts of, you know, there's Honor tech in a bunch of different clans that some people just aren't playing because it's not strong enough. But a lot of the Dishonor tech sees play, you know? Not all of it, obviously, but... Yeah. So I gotta ask, and now you have, like, the final part of this letter is called The Solution. You know, we're going uh, full storm front here. Yeah, which <laughs> the is a final bad. solution. Oh, God. Wow. Okay, that's not a comparison I was hoping to get. Uh, thank you. And, and, um. and uh, you've talked about a little bit about, like, hey, you're, you're kind of, like, these are more, like, 
you're identifying issues. Um, right. But what is the solution? What is how do we correct this? What how do we get this game to be the more optimal state? Uh, not to have you repeat yourself because you've already said like you're not necessarily saying ban or restrict to get rid of all these things. But what's right. our what's our goal here? You know. So I think the the overall goal is to set a a higher goal for what we want the restricted list to do than just break the current meta up a little bit, right? So mm. you could have a goal for the restricted list that says, you know, power down the crane deck a little bit, um, you know, hit Scorpion because it's a restricted list and you have to. Uh, mm. And, you know, maybe you deal with this aspect of Crab's deck. Or you can say, you know what, the goal of this restricted list is to um, reduce variance in the game. And you could hit all these things that are extremely powerful and extremely variance related, but aren't necessarily, you know, the biggest problem right now because you're trying to create a healthier environment for the cards that you're then going to be releasing, um, you know, in the temptation cycle or, you know, any other products going forward. That, I think, is more where I'd like to see the restricted list and the Imperial Law updates in general kind of end up rather than, okay, this is the, these are the you know X number of strongest decks. We've identified what we think are the strongest cards. Let's hit those. The other thing that I'd like to see is thinking beyond the restricted list. I have a whole theory on this, but basically I think the restricted list is kind of a blunt instrument. And it does some things really well. It stops mm. abusive combos like Embrace the Void and Consume by Five Fires. Uh, it does really well at breaking up the meta across the entire game. So like Imperial Palace is no longer as common. Keeper Initiates are no longer as common. Uh, you know, when the first RL came out, it was specifically aimed at the fact that everyone was playing charge and policy debate and Miramoto's fury and like all these cards all just kind of started in your deck and you built around that. Um, but it doesn't do so well at fine tuning balance because of the way the restricted list works. It's really hard to, you know, if you put one card from a deck on the restricted list, that deck shrugs and nothing changes about it. But if you add two cards, if it's the wrong two cards, it can kill the whole archetype, hmm. you know? So, I I don't know where you go from there, but I like the idea of thinking about it, are there other things we can do than just a single restricted list or, you know, a restricted and ban list? Can we monkey around with influence costs? Can we, you know, do, uh, work on different deck building rules or things like that uh, that might change the overall environment that these cards are coming out into that make it easier for Tyler to fine tune balance without having to, you know, the, the restricted list is just a blunt instrument. It, it it's a difficult to hit a deck without really taking a sledgehammer to it with the restricted yeah. list. I think. In the interest of fairness, and I, you, you made it clear that this is not like a huge attack oh, or sure. an ultimatum or things about Tyler and stuff. No, no, no. Uh, but I do want to give credit where credit's due, where, let's see, Tyler, <laughs> is despite having a team and he's the head designer and stuff, he is essentially one person. Right. Who has and and to we know he's putting his his attention too. He's working on mm. other products within FFG, I believe. So yeah, 
he's got other projects. He's got you know, uh, I don't I, I don't know enough to speak about what his day job is. Uh, but you know, right. between balancing like designing uh, future cards, divide the maintaining balance of how the game exists now. Keep in mind the meta shifts every month. Oh yeah. <laughs> and most of us who are just players only on the receiving end can't maintain like what is ahead about what the meta is in that regard. Um right, right. he's, he's got to maintain some level of play test I assume um with all the stuff like and that's also without us doing it as our actual day job like you know, yeah. I, I enjoy my job, but I don't generally go home and then do more of my job for three hours if I can help it, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> even if it's the most fun part of my job. So yeah, I, yeah. I will also point out uh, when FFG is designing cycles of cards, they design the entire cycle at once. They don't test, okay, let's release these 20 cards and then these 20 cards and then these 20 cards. It's here's the entire block. And then it's generally somebody above Tyler's head who chops them up. Uh, okay. And that can lead... Yeah, I've said that before. Yeah. Or... But that can lead to, like, hey, there's this problem card in pack one. We're like, well, we made a solution card, but it didn't come out until pack six. Or even the opposite, where, you know, Crane had a lot of this face-up synergy stuff come out, and, like, it just got universally panned. It was like, all right, yeah, I guess fine but like nobody's gonna run yoshi and veteran of toshi rambo was looked at as terrible and then diplomat came out and the whole thing was like tied together with a bow and suddenly it's mm -hmm. like oh this is insane now yeah yeah uh, if you listen to my episode where we interviewed tyler uh, a couple months ago i asked him that question specifically even though like again i talk about crane way too much on this one but yeah. it is a microcosm of what is our goal here? Like Doji Diplomat brings together a dozen different synergies in an absurd fashion. Yeah. Uh, kind of the same way that City of the Open Hand brings a lot of crap that Scorpion does. Now, do we just ban like five different crane cards so they can't work with Doji Diplomat? Or do we get rid of Doji Diplomat, but by doing so, the entire design goal for an entire arc is just thrown into the trash. Yeah. You know, what is the proper answer there? I, I honestly don't know. Um, and this is the thing. I'm, I'm not a game designer. I, and I also think that players are, players are really good at identifying things that they don't like and their fixes for it are not always the best. Uh, yeah. And I count myself among that. I'm, I'm certainly, you know, I'm not an elite player by any imagination. Let me again tell you about my Sevenfold Palace Honor Runner decks. But, mm. like, I... I the, the goal of the letter and getting people to sign it so it wasn't just a post from me to Tyler, you know, here are my thoughts and everything, was to kind of come to a consensus on what those of us who want more change in the imperial law would like to see and i think again the the goal in general is to have a more ambitious imperial law next time you know when i uh started putting this out uh i didn't know anything about the next restricted list um and then like while before i put it out but you know after i was done most of the editing and i was just kind of in the collecting signatures phase uh tyler put out his tweet that 
you know, to me says, all right, the next Imperial law is done. And I looked at that as like a perfect opportunity to say, okay, well, let's start with a bedrock, like a more ambitious goal for the next RL than just, hey, we're going to hit the most powerful cards. We're going to hit the most powerful decks and uh, go from there, right? Just just start off at a more ambitious goal than And, and to be fair, the, the New Year's um, restricted list Imperial Law update is kind of like... I don't know. I would say traditional because he's only really done it once. I can't remember the one from two years ago, but yeah, last year around Christmas time, uh, he set the Phoenix Clan on fire. <laughs> well, right, and not only that though, right? The this time last year was when the first band list came out. Mm. So, like at Worlds, Charge was legal, and Kanjo District, and Hidden Moon Dojo, and all these other things. Like, you know, that that I think was really good revitalization for the game. Uh, a lot of these cards that had been issues, really high variance and very blowouty, uh, went away. Uh, things that were just like way too efficient went either on the RL or got banned. You know, stuff like Imperial Palace. Um, but you know, I, I I just think with the power increase that we've seen from uh, particularly uh, Dominion Cycle. Um, there's there's room in here to do another kind of reset of the overall environment like that. And I think yeah. that's, you know, it doesn't have to be a banned list, but the banned list, you know, the banned list said the restricted list isn't doing enough to control the environment, so we need another tool. And I yeah. think we're kind of at that point with the restricted list generally where it's it's proving that it's difficult to do some of the stuff that it's trying to do with this tool. I don't know what you do otherwise pair bands or uh my personal like favorite thing would be to errata a bunch of roll restrictions on the cards so you can't run forged edict and forgery because forged edict is an air card and forgery is an earth card or something like that i mean the the dirty not so secret of the game is corset is wonky busted oh it's insane and yeah. use the com- Needs to be completely overhauled, right. uh, and right. but since this is not a digital game, we cannot do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, for sure. There's just yeah, there's so many problems in this game. Go back to, and I think Tyler's talked about it too. The yeah. fact that like in the core set they decided a card is going to be worth about two skill and have some other upside to it was. Mm crazy like a zero fate card is just going to be worth two skill and it's either going to stick around or you can double it up like bonsai or there's going to be something else to it like that's a lot and again credit to where credit's due for the original designers of this version of ffg's game uh they were they inherited a license and were trying to they're inventing a game, and when you invent right. a game, even if, you, if it's based off the DNA of a previously existing game and stuff, you're creating a brand new environment, and they just, no matter how much testing you do, they didn't know what they were making at the time. You can see that perfectly in Scorpion, where Scorpion was kind of like, meh, really mid-tier, yeah. until Fro figured out, if I, like, if I just stop buying stuff... Right. <laughs> the the <Right>. original <laughs> drop barriers decks. Yeah. I mean, like, like even, you know, if you took players from today and handed them world's decks from 2017, you know, at, it, watching the 2017 game is so weird because you see people do things that just make no sense on today's meta. Like, the, the number of 
in that finals, guests of honor that get bought with one fate so the guy can also afford that sweet savvy politician on the same turn because he hasn't baked any fate because why would you bank fate? Like, that is totally different from how the game was designed. And I just, you know, I kind of want more of a movement towards recognizing the game that we have. And and this is kind of where we bridge the gap between the realist and the idealist, right? Yeah. You, you've got this game. Maybe we should set a baseline for the way the game is played instead of trying to patch it every time we put out something that it turns out is a little bit too much or, you know, uh, encourages play patterns that we don't like or, you know, could be done a little bit better if we, uh, you know, nerf this card, keep it from that card, that kind of thing. I, I just feel like there's room there for a new baseline to be set that takes into account the way the game is played now and does a little bit more to try to foster what people enjoy about the game, you know, mm-hmm. which I, I do think the level of skill expression in the game is insanely high. You know, the, the consistency with which the same people win all the time, it's mm-hmm. not a fluke, you know? Uh, th- sure. This game is really good about reinforcing that stuff, and a lot of these things that we called out in the letter are things that we think are reducing that. You know, reducing your input on the game either through a random blowout or an embargo or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the stuff we'd like to see addressed in some way so that maybe we can move on to uh, greener pastures, you know, where skill expression is everything and I never make a cut again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't necessarily disagree with anything that's going on on this letter and also I'm a big fan of the RL, but there's, there is an issue of... All we seem to have are meat cleavers, where oh, yes. the, the restricted list and the ban list are just perpetually taking things away from the game. And yeah. this solution list is basically calling for the removal of large points of the game, which for many players, maybe not necessarily the ones in the top echelons of player skill, but generally speaking, players, when they buy a card, and they say, oh, this card works together here, the more say, like, yeah, you can't do that, though. Like, yeah. you can only hear that so many times. And I would like to see, like, in general, like, if, we were, if the community was to come together and make a open letter part two mm-hmm. uh, to be more of a, hey, here's where we think the game should be, and here is, like, almost like a litmus of, this is what I think the strength of a zero-cost event should be. This is what I think a the strength of an attachment should be. Something productive so Tyler has more of a guidance to do. Cause he's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound dismissive, oh, yeah. but he's especially like just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. And when things that don't stick catch the whole wall on fire, unfortunately, <laughs> because he's, it's, it's the nature of this game being so middly with so many different parts and so many different synergies that you don't know these things are going to be problem. Well, some of them are pretty more obvious. I wish you, some, of the, some of them we could see coming from my way, like, oh, that's going to be a problem. Kachiko right. is a problem. Well, but, <laughs> uh, and, and there's stuff that, you know, I, so a lot of this came out of, and you can kind of see it reflected in the people who signed, a lot of this came out of me talking with a lot of the people on my clan war team, uh, a lot of whom are Greeks. And they have a completely different view on the game from what I had. You know, I was all worried about Stoke. I thought Stoke Insurrection was an insane card. And the thing I kept hearing was, no, 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 no. The thing you need to worry about in the Scorpion decks is Governor Spy. Because it can just lock you to the point where you don't get Dynasty buys. 
pretty easily yep. if you put any number of holdings in your deck. And like that just never occurred to me. But yeah, you can definitely do that. You just put all their characters on the province you're about to break, snap that, and just keep doing that over and over again until they can't buy anything. Mm. And like that is the kind of thing that is, is hard to see coming, I think. Um, but is definitely an issue, you know? Whereas Kachiko, you can look at it and say, all right, she's a five-cost character who draws three cards a turn, maybe if there's anything good and she can stay in the conflict and et cetera, et cetera. Like, that to me is, it's definitely strong. It's crazy. I, I'm not a huge fan of the whole Scorpion playing with your cards thing. But, you know, that at least is like a problem you can see coming and try to deal with in one way or another. I feel like Governor Spy or some of these more subtle things... Like you said, there's just so many moving parts to this game. It's impossible to see some of this stuff coming. Mm. Some of it is mistakes that we see multiple times, like, you know, cheap stands or whatever. But a lot of it really does just come out of nowhere. And you go, oh, wait, that's good now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know I, I asked a couple people who were signers on it, and some of them are from that group. And basically what they said is... Yeah, there's just a few, like, big problems with it. There's, like, fundamental problems, especially in, like, the Scorpion Clan. And sometimes there's stuff that just, these couple cards flip up, and whoops, we won the game. Right, right. Yeah, poorly timed dispatch to nowhere or something. But, the and the other side of it, and, like, the, the thing I kind of wish I had incorporated more of in the letter is the community has gotten really... I'm trying to think of a way to say this without sounding snide. Uh, Go for it. Sound snide. We, Screw those people. <laughs> we really expect Tyler to do a lot of hand-holding as far as fixing the meta for us. And, like, there are some things that need to be fixed. You know, like, I think the crane deck, it has such a high skill floor. It does so much to carry you up to, you know, your wins that that's mm. a problem. But, like, the Seeker Avoid Phoenix deck from a while ago wasn't really like that it, it took a ton of skill to pilot that well uh you saw similar yeah. things with like test dragon um or you know even some iterations of scorpion did take brains to run like there there's there's good decks that everybody wants to hit because they're really good but they they aren't necessarily on the same level of things that should be hit and i feel like the the game has kind of gotten to a point where we have these regular rl updates we have things like that that it just is so easy to complain about the game instead of finding new things that are fun and interesting and might be powerful so a, a good example of this honestly is when i was watching the i spent a lot of time in crane chat um yeah. the first person to really figure out that doji diplomat was as strong at least that i saw uh was a player goes by micha or micah i think um, uh, who I believe is French. I will probably yeah, I believe, it's, I believe it's Micha. Micha is it? Okay, but I'm not sure. But I think so. <laughs> but he was playing the Doji Diplomat face up stuff out of a sevenfold palace like honor running deck because he just likes mm. to run like weird stuff, and it just turned out that this part of that deck was really really strong. Meanwhile, a bunch of people were saying, oh, you know, Doji Diplomat flips up your own provinces. Doesn't seem all that good. But when you put it together with all the other pieces, all of a sudden it's insane. And that 
that kind of experimentation, I feel like, maybe doesn't happen as much as it could in the community because we get to a point where, okay, this deck's at the top. It's really, really oppressive to play against. Tyler, please. Yeah. You know, rather than, okay, it's at the top. It's really, really imp- oppressive to play against. What do we do about that? You know, and you're seeing some of it, people teching in like fields of ruin to kill all the crane holdings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But th- yeah, there's there's a difference between this is really strong, we need to nerf it, and this is really strong, but we can play around it, or it takes a lot of skill to get that strength out of it. So if I can just outskill my opponent, then I can I can get more uh, advantage than he does, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a nice healthy ground. Um, yeah. I never liked it where like some decks when put up against other decks, like there should be clan like advantages. Like some decks should just be good air quotes against some other clans or some other decks and stuff. Uh, what we're seeing a lot of things are things are impossible. Right. Um, I think early on. Uh, me and Max talk about this all the time. I could not beat Max, and Max is a very good player. Don't get me wrong, but th- I should have been. If I was playing my local meta, I'm just gonna like sit home, put together all the anti-crabbed cards I could possibly scramble together, build a deck, and just like at least win against one player in my local meta. You know, I'm not that crap of a player. Right. I couldn't do it. Stuff the tools just did not exist. Now, if I just flip. Doji Netsu, Daidoji Netsu, well, the crab just player just loses. Because <laughs> yeah. I flipped one card on a lark. It's my it's my 1x. Yeah, yeah. and it's a two cost. It, well, anyway, we can talk about Netsu. Yeah. But yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think that's that's definitely true, is that it, you know, um, I don't know. The, the, the issue, as I see it, goes back to, uh, you remember when Charge Bird became a thing and everybody mm-hmm. was freaking out about it because it ruled that yeah. one Gen Con and then the next tournament up it did okay but you know people have pretty much figured out how to play against it and you know they they beat it i think the charge bird deck is like weaker than a lot of the top meta decks that we've seen but i think that the community is too quick to jump to hey everybody nerf this right away rather than trying to find solutions so i i guess i wish i had put more of that into the letter so I've always had a very specific opinion about the Charge Bird Gen Con because a lot of the issues with that weekend, I'm going to say, actually had very little to do with Charge Bird itself. That was on a, like, this was last year. Wait, last year, right? Charge Bird? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Um, This was, we had, uh, you know, the meta was still kind of nascent. We had just gotten Children of the Empire, so yep. clans were just now starting to get tools to be useful, but we still had a lot of these things where, oh, I could do pretty good here and here and stuff. Oh, until I see Phoenix or until I see this. Right. Uh, and there was just like, the, you see some decks were not just good, but they're so head and toes out of the other and stuff. And we just get a restricted list and we're feeling good. Like, okay, the things that were really problematic are finally dead. And then we get something else that is an issue that has to be that just completely warps the meta and stuff. And the issue is less to do with the charge bird itself of, hey, why do we keep getting into the cycle of highs and lows, has and has nots? You know, either you have the tools to win or why did you even show up to begin with and stuff? Compounded with the fact that we had that was the weekend or the whole year of, oh, we had no spoilers because the entire uh 
the, the entire year insane. worth of cars got Seven. got spoiled. Uh, so right. there was like we had no previews. The entire Gen Con, uh, they planned to have the line pack out, and that didn't happen, so we didn't get to see those cards. Uh, a lot of other things. There was just like FFG logistics thing. Like the community was just generally unhappy. So yeah. the Phoenix Bird was more of a spark that lit a, a, a bonfire of tinderwood that was just piling back that FFG had put on there and stuff. Yeah. And I guess it just feels like that's still burning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the the amount of time that Tadaka was in the game and, like, it was awful, but mm-hmm. it kept going to tournaments, you know, uh, that, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's that same appetite to just kind of grin and bear it and, okay, yeah, Tadaka stinks. Yeah. You, you hate playing against Tadaka, but you're also going to see your friends and all that. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say at this point, but I just well, wish it, people it, it, could it, be it, a little it, more positive about the game and not... You know, there but, is a qu- question because of the game is so asymmetrical of what individual card or general synergy is too much, which is something that we like Tyler needs to get a hold of and we as a community need to get a hold of and stuff yeah. like what is the ideal game state and stuff. Because, you uh, from my creative perspective again, I could sit here and be like, oh. Phoenix was allowed to get away with murder for so long with Kanjo District and Tadaka and all their other stuff and the uh, the uh, the stronghold before it got nerfed and stuff. Yep. And then you had um, um, the original Dragon Test of uh, Dragon deck uh, was allowed to run rampant for so long, and then the Crab thing was just like, oh, you've reached we've reached uh, the start of turn three, you've lost. Uh, it's just going to take you four hours to realize it, you know. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. And then it's like, oh, hey, Toshimoko's here. Toshimoko's banned. <laughs> or ba- soft banned. <laughs> basically, hey, hey, being hey, put he on was, their RL. He was free for like a year, Yeah, I want to say. But you know, scratch he, out Toshimoko. He had plenty of time to be annoying. <laughs> scratch but out yeah, Toshimoko but- and put like any clan who has any kind of issue of like, why is that clan allowed to get away with their madness and... Other we can't. Uh, other people can't get away with anything and stuff. Like, yeah, I, like I get that, but like you also kind of have to pick a side on that. If you want a really mm-hmm. active RL that's gonna like step in every time a deck becomes a problem, then you can't complain when it just happens to be your deck that's the problem. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like oh, yeah. If, if you wish that somebody had done something about Contra District six months before they did, or you know the day after it was released or whatever, you can't then just be like, oh yeah, but like let us play with our toys for six months before you take away the absurdly broken stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind RL that happened right now. It just says, oh by the way, uh, Magistrate Station is banned because Magistrate Station and uh, Soshi Nikkei should not live together. Yeah. <laughs> it's just <a> ridiculous. Yeah, I'm <laughs> it's just the most ridiculous thing on paper. At I'm all. I'm refusing to play good crane decks until <laughs> they're they're fun to play again and like yeah like shoshini kie is just nutty but like it shows yeah. that th- this yeah i don't know i could get in my whole thing about the band list being a good place to put design limiters mm. uh and it seems that magistrate station is becoming one so yeah. like that to me is the strongest argument it's not that like oh magistrate station's really strong but it actually limits what other cards you can put out in the game because yeah. otherwise, Shoshi looks pretty reasonable to me. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these things, what we're doing, we're, we're, you're talking about here is these are all band-aids. The RL yeah. list is a bunch of band-aids. The, this uh, open letter is a bunch of band-aids and stuff. Until we address the fundamental issues of the game and where we want the fundamental issues to be, they're going to keep showing up. Well, and yeah, I don't know. That's more pessimistic than I think I am. Um, I think you can get to a better place while recognizing mm. that there's always going to be some sort of issue in the game. Like yeah. the, you know, it, if you fix fine katana or whatever, you know, fix bonsai so that it's it's the right power level now, then you're gonna have some other issue crop up. You know, somebody can tutor their deck better. Somebody can uh, have more reliability on their dynasty side. Somebody's got a slightly more cohesive theme, so they're ahead of everybody else. Like that. The game's always going to have issues. It's just a matter of like which issues you'd rather have. And I think I the the point that I'm you know leaning towards is that I'd like to have the issues that come with the game being really hard to get into and kind of slow and grindy and something that really rewards player skill, which means it's going to punish newbies really hard. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather have that than a game that is much much easier for new players to get into, but doesn't do all those things to reward player skill to make the game interesting to play over and over again even in the same matchups that kind of thing i'm gonna hard disagree with the statement you just made there that's Um, fair i think any game that wants to have any sort of lifespan and a, a vibrant community and it's not just an insular circle of the same five people just like you know smelling each other's farts all day um a game we need to lower the barrier of entry as much as possible and you can right, have a game but... with depth a game that's easy to get into hard to master is fine i mean that's kind of like isn't that the ideal of games the the, the gold spot that we all aim for yeah i mean you'd you'd have to like completely rewrite the rules to get there though right there's so many steps there's Mm. so many timing issues in this game like like that's not something that i think is going to happen i think in terms of lowering the barrier to the game Mm. i would love it if it was cheaper or easier to get a playable deck together so you didn't have to buy three core sets and keep up to date with everything you know if they got rid of the the cycle model entirely and just went to like I don't know, three big expansions a year in like a big box or something. I'd be fine with that. You know, those kinds of things that might make it easier for somebody to get into the game and feel like, okay, I'm up to date enough that I can, you know, take my deck and go to a local tournament or go to a game night and not be, you know, missing half of the card pool. That kind of thing I think would be great. Um, But I just don't know that you're going to keep L5R what it is while also making it, simple to learn you know simple to learn difficult to master i I think the the thing about l5r is that it's it's both difficult to learn and to master you know (laughs) it very much is yeah and not not to circle do like have a circular conversation but uh you mentioned like hey we want to keep l5r what it is but i would argue like what is l5r i still not sure we have a definitive idea of what this game should be or yeah. could be. I can I tell agree. you one uh, way it would be better. Mm. More Shadowlands. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as they're not Crane, I'm okay with it. I just don't want to have like those really good Shadowlands cards in Crane. 
that mm-hmm. I then have to play, and then I'm that guy. Ugh. I still get. Uh, uh, I had literal nightmares the night before a co- I can't remember which Kotai it was. I want to say it was Origins. But I got to the point where I was going to put Goblin Sneak in my deck. And I was just like, my deck's corrupted. I'm a, I'm a terrible crane. There's nothing I can do. I've got a Goblin in my deck. I chose this. I chose the Dark Path of Mao. Yeah, I mean, like, even Curse of Misfortune I just keep telling myself, no, this is the Asahina messing with the fates. It's fine to put it in your deck. That's the thing they do as soothsayers and everything, but it still feels wrong. <laughs> well, I think we had a good discussion here. We talked about some things. Max, you didn't have a chance to say a whole lot because we keep barreling over you. Uh, do you have any things you want to say? Uh, I think I didn't try to add much since it seems like everything was pretty much can- covered to me. Okay. Fair enough. Cool. Well, before I get to my outro, uh, Nick, yes. hit us with some plugs. I know you already plugged the thing several times, but do it one more time. Uh, yeah, so uh, the Meek Informant is uh, primarily a YouTube channel nowadays. So it's youtube.com forward slash C forward slash The Meek Informant. Uh, so head on over, check it out. Uh, we, uh, like I said, I'm posting uh, Discord League uh games when i get them uh i'm coming up going to be in the silver cup with the insane honor running uh distinguished dojo deck god i love that deck anyway uh so expect to see a little bit of that until i get inevitably knocked out uh you know all of my i'm going to be playing uh there's there's a ton of crane up there so i decided to sign up for the next discord league as dragon to play a wacky dragon deck instead um oh man you really are a martyr aren't you <laughs> now this is look not only that this is a dragon deck focused around hand peeking crane yeah. has gotten too good i must go to the weak clan again honestly there's a little bit of that like it's like when you're just doing some of these things in crane you're like i guess this is all legal but like is it fun for anyone yeah Be- Behold, dragons, I am your better, a crane player. Let me show you the error of your ways. <laughs> no, no, I, I will be completely honest. I'm net decking from much better players than I am for this deck. <laughs> and even then, I'm probably not playing it very well. But anyway, it's, yeah, we're, we're trying to bring a little more diversity. And then tomorrow night's our uh, stream, which I'm going to get up. Uh, so hopefully I will get it off of the splash screen this time. And uh, it'll be actually interesting to watch. Where can they watch it? Uh, youtube.com forward slash c forward slash the meek informant okay or we post it in the lcg media channel on the main discord things like that all right uh when you're hearing this episode that uh, will have already aired but you can always catch the next one every tuesday at what time uh generally eight ish is that est uh yes yeah sorry eight o'clock eastern okay Going for two or three hours, depending. So, like how you're in so many tournaments, I have lowered my bar of expectations for. Hey, I signed up for a discard late. Maybe I'll play into it more now. I'm at like, oh, we just got the pack two cards or allow legal on Jake Goku. Maybe I can be bothered to build a single deck. <laughs> yeah, that's my my problem is mostly that I have too many decks to play. I still haven't even tried the uh, the new Echoes Bird or the uh, uh, Forebearers Echoes Daidoji Uji decks that seem to be all the rage. But 
yeah, it's it's a whole the the some of the new cards that uh, we're getting is just like oh, there's just too many avenues that my brain gets overloaded. Like oh, I'm gonna choose when I have like three weeks off or <laughs> Christmas break, then I'll be able to wrap my head around all the possibilities. Yeah, exactly. Because yep. I'm still like oh, Uji can just grab four cards. What are the four most efficient cards I could grab out of the deck to make this unbeatable combo? I don't know. Someone sent me the answer. No, Nick. What are the four cards? <laughs> when, when the, the the real big brain play with Uji is when you start to draw the cards with Uji that you know you can't play in that matchup because you don't want to draw them naturally. <laughs> just thin the deck. Yeah, you're just like, all right, I'm gonna pull my curses of misfortune out because this is a scorpion player. And my Uji's never getting honored anyway, so I might as well just get them out of the deck so I don't top deck them when we're down to one bids. I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, do my normal shout-outs. I want to give a shout-out to our sister podcast, the uh, Court Games RPG Podcast, hosted by Kikita Kaori and Kovar, uh, doing cool RPG stuff. They just reviewed the, the new poison river book which i need to pick up and read and also put on the list of books that i haven't read yet which is like most of them i've read like a book uh, two and a half books i've read the phoenix book novella and the scorpion novella and i read like two chapters of the unicorn one and that's where i am novella wise i am behind i i have bought them for the cards <laughs> that were inside because i love promos you can tell that we're on a, a podcast that reads lore, can't you? I, yeah, I've, I've heard very good things about Poison River. I, I need to get my hands on yeah. it. I, uh, I've been slacking. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of podcasts that read lore, I'll go ahead and shout out uh, The Table is Yours for us. Uh, we're a podcast that reads the free lore that FFG puts up online. Me and Trevor are both readers for it. Uh, we do great stuff. We're getting to Shadowland stories now with demons running all about so great time mm -hmm. to get into it hey didn't you call dibs on the new shadowland i sure did <laughs> i've had dibs on those for like the past year and a half i was like look if we get shadowland stories i will read them and then we just didn't for forever hey, hey, so hey, hey. What? <laughs> I, I, I think I got... any story with kuniyori in it counts as a shadowland I mean, story. that's fair i i have read the kuniyori stories okay fine <laughs> Just that I also I don't listen to every other L5R podcast. So. <laughs> I was asked to read the Halloween story because when I get into my serious lore reading voice, this deep bass I have is really good for a creepy horror story. I'm sorry, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you want some other adventures, we have our actual play podcast, Crimson Gold Agonies and Fortune and Strife are both actual play RP, uh, L5R 5th edition games that you can find on our website. And we have Tokyo of the Five Rings, a YouTube series talking about Japanese, uh, culture, history, and religion. And you can find the, Max, where can the good folks find these places? They can go to courtgamespod.com. That's right. Just stop by courtgamespod.com. One more time. That is courtgamespod.com. You see that voice right there? That's why you're not asked to read the, the Halloween stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If, if, if you're putting on your 1920s newsreader voice, 
You know, it's not going to be as great. Uh, Kuniyori then sacrificed a child on the dark altar. Zounds! In, in the private chat, you should see all the, the conversations Max and Croy have about, like, no, listen, I really want to voice uh, Yoritomo as a pirate. Yep. Our <laughs> matey. Yep. Yep. Uh, I have... Every time I meet up with Rob Croy, he yells at me for the voices I do, and I tell him, well, that's too bad. I enjoy doing it, and I know some people enjoy listening to it. <laughs> uh, if you like, if you, dear listeners, like this podcast, any other podcast, or the website, or the Discord in general, uh, consider subscribing to our Patreon. Uh, Patreon forward slash court games i assume i should probably write that down it's somewhere on there <laughs> give us money you know just send put a bunch of money in unmarked bills and send it to me and yeah that'll get where it's supposed to go eventually <laughs> yeah just just put trevor's name on it oh <laughs> just write trevor on an envelope put some money and drop it in the mailbox it'll get there. That, is, that is exactly how the postal system works <laughs> this is gonna go just fine how many trevors are there yep <laughs> Fun story, as we're doing our last our last gasp of an outro, um, so my name is Trevor Cuba. That is, in my opinion, a very unique name. Don't even ask me where the Cuba comes from. I don't know where I'm named after a country. I'm not even, I'm not Hispanic at all. But when I was in the Navy, there was someone else named Trevor Cuba, and we kept getting each other's mail. I'm like, how are there two of us? Yep. Yeah, there was somebody who had the same initials as me who opened a Spotify account and somehow linked it to my uh, Gmail. So I ended up logging in there, and I was very offended that this person had such bad taste in music. <laughs> so that's kind of the same thing. Right? And they were trying to slander you with it. There was so much Keith Urban. I just don't. I don't get it. <laughs> oh, my doppelganger's a country nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, we all ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah. Yep. All right. Sayonara, everyone. See you next time. <laughs>